it is the pink elephant theory. If the guest wants a pink elephant, get them a pink elephant. If you can't find a pink elephant, get a horse, paint it pink, convince the guest that's an elephant. Do whatever it takes to ensure they're happy. That's it. Are they happy? Well, today is uh, slightly different than normal. Um, you're going to hear a lot of stuff going on in the background, birds, God knows what else you're going to hear going on behind me. Two reasons today is actually special um, for the podcast, Peak Elephant. Um, one, I'm in Africa and you know that doesn't happen too often, but had the insane opportunity to do a project over here and I'm actually sitting in the middle of the Maasai Mara, which is inside Kenya on a reserve um, and a brand new, beautiful luxury property, the new JW Marriott, which is the first one to open um, a, a safari, I don't know what it's called, a safari club here, and that we have to be a part of. And the second reason is I'm actually talking today with Jason Sanders. He's actually our senior vice president of development and um, a lot to talk about, man. Can you hear all this stuff going on in the background? Yeah, I'm just wondering uh, when we're going to see some pink elephants come through the background. I, you know, it's like, like, it's like complete fake background. I'm going to copy it and save it for mine. It's it's crazy because I'm staring out. This is actually the balcony of um, the patio of my, it's, it's called a tent. Um, it's these really, really lush bungalows. It's the ultimate glamping experience, that's for sure. And literally my view is across this river and it's nothing but wildlife. I mean... I've been here for two weeks and I've seen um, lions and giraffes and elephants and rhinos and cheetahs like in their in their environment. Right. Like I'm, I'm not at a zoo um, at any point in time. I could die. It's the craziest thing I've ever done. in my life. So. <laughs> so, dude, thanks so much for I know the time change here. It's crazy late for you and extremely early for me. So thanks for uh, jumping on. I appreciate it, man. Yeah, happy to do so. Uh, who'd have thought we could parlay, uh, you know, drinking careers into something like this? Yeah, the hospitality industry is a crazy thing. You know, it's funny you say that, and I will go ahead and bring this up. I'm here doing this, and, you know, it's a – Jay, it's been – we've opened – God, I can't even tell you how many hotels we've opened over the years. This is the first of a kind that – I for me, right? And what you just said is super interesting because I'm here with a bunch of individuals that are from this area um, that have never experienced anything outside of this area. And when you talk about this industry that is right now having a huge challenge from a labor standpoint of people not wanting to be a part of this industry, I don't know that people really understand the possibilities that are attached to being in this industry, right? I, I mean, I'm, I'm sitting here in the middle of one of the most amazingly beautiful places on the planet, and I'm afforded this opportunity because I'm a part of the hospitality industry. And you know, I, I don't think people really understand the the possibilities uh, to be this industry. And it blows my mind. And I mean, I look at where you and I are right now and where we started. And I think if you would have told either of us 20 something years ago, we've worked together for freaking probably 15 plus years. I don't know that I would have ever thought in a million years that we would be here. Is that is that a fair assessment? I mean, 100 percent. There is no way I've been on this industry a lot longer than 20 years. I hate to admit that. Um, but even 20 years ago, I didn't think I saw the possibilities and that was, it's really been a, a great opportunity to 
you know, to work with some inspiring leaders, you know, in some amazing cultures in, in hospitality and really get to, to continue to grow that. And I, I feel like we are really uniquely positioned to keep doing that. Um, you know, we've, we've drawn on some great relationships and, and really turned what could be, you know, I, I think a quote unquote normal career into something pretty amazing. And, and I think that hospitality is one of those, uh, one of those fields that does that. You know, there, yeah. there's opportunity out there. Yeah. I couldn't agree more. You know, both of us kind of kicked off our careers with a very large company, uh, to say the least. Um, you know, both of us were kind of raised in, within Ritz Carlton and then have split off obviously. And now we still get to work with Ritz Carlton just in a different capacity than we were when we were on property or at corporate offices. What was it like for you? Because it's only been a few years that you've transitioned from working for the uh, the mothership to now being an FDP <laughs> over at, at EAG. I'm curious for you, what has been the emotional roller coaster of that journey of going from from something that we both knew um, very well and it was a comfort zone? It's still a comfort zone for I think for us to now transitioning to EAG and. I would say the craziness that is attached to being a part of EAG. What's what's that been like for you? It's been a ride, I tell you. So I, I spent 23 years with the uh, the mothership. Really had had a great time. I mean, it, it it gave me a huge grounding in what luxury hospitality is. You know, it also really impressed upon me. You know, a lot of things that aren't super sexy about hospitality, you know, the need for real processes for, you know, for being able to, to define what it is you're doing and what your brand is and, and how to grow that beyond one location to scalable to, I mean, 8,000 locations, you know, currently for, for Marriott. And, you know, that's, that's really what gave me the grounding in hospitality that's let me continue to grow. So yeah, absolutely amazing experience. I, I thought I'd be there forever. Um, COVID kind of changed the world, right? And you know, maybe start looking at, at some things. And yeah, you know, that's when you and I started talking. And and I I I remember we had a talk kind of almost three years ago now. And so you know, things are gonna be different post COVID. And there's gonna be a real need for companies that are a little more small and more nimble and able to to pivot. And, and address the the issues that are are uh, affecting our industry, and and I think that we have a great opportunity here to, you know, to pull in some like minded people and, and really create something that makes an impact. Um, so leaving twenty three years of a of a corporate career behind was, was really a difficult thing to do, uh, and I think we've positioned ourselves right now to continue to make an impact in that same industry and even with that same company. Um, but really creating our own culture. You know, it's crazy. When we first started these conversations, you, you brought up COVID and COVID was one of those times for EAD where it was a pivotal, pivotal moment for us. And I had to make some choices on what direction. I mean, there was one or two choices, right? You either like try and cut as much as you possibly can and, and do try and salvage anything you possibly can or say, you know what, screw it, throw everything we have at the wall and go big or go home. And I went that route, of course, of 
swing for the fences and see what happens. And I think the only reason, one of the, one of the reasons that it's worked is the fact that we had individuals like yourself that were willing to come on board and kind of see the vision that we had of the direction we were going and what we were trying to do. Um, Cause at that point, EEG was great, right? We were, things were, things were in a great place, but the vision, I think that we were putting out that what we wanted to do was, it was big. It was something that it would, it would have been big during good times <laughs> during COVID times. It was, it made zero sense. Crazy. Um, yeah, it was, it was absolutely crazy, but I'm, I'm beyond grateful that, you know, people like yourself and, and, and Maricela and Kenny and, and Christy, I mean, I can go through the entire team. And then Robbie came on board and we had individuals that during a time when most saw um, bleak and negative and everything that was going wrong, we had a team of people that some way, somehow saw vision and saw opportunity and saw potential and possibilities. And I couldn't be grateful that we have a team that, that was able to do that. And we were able to to really put in place something that's become super special. I mean, I will say this podcast is probably going to air probably a, about a month from now, realistically. And I will say in a month from now, we probably have two or three pretty major announcements coming out about EAG. And so it's, it's wild to think that the vision that we had then um, I think when you and I were sitting in LA with Maricel and writing stuff on, on our, our glass um, walls in, in the offices of ideas and visions and the fact that now stuff, How we're going to be different. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's happening, you know, right. It's not, it's not a pipe dream. It's a, it's a reality for us now. And um, it's, it's crazy, man. It's crazy to, to think that we're not the little bitty company anymore that's hoping for things. Now, you know, we're we're growing fast and furious and, and have some crazy big stuff on the horizon. So it's uh thank you for being a part of it. And it's been an interesting ride, I think, for, for all of us for sure. What's the next evolution? I know some of the stuff that we're doing. Um, I know some of the stuff we're doing. In, in hospitality and what we're doing with our brand specifically, what do you think the next evolution is that has to take place in our industry for us to see a shift happen from scrambling for people to come back to it and excitement to be in it? Oh, well, without giving away some of those announcements that are coming, honestly, I, it, this is a conversation we've had a lot lately, and uh, not just you and I, but throughout EAG. And it is how, so we've created an amazing culture with a couple of dozen people, right? Um, and EAG and our core team. And we are, we're growing like beyond what we ever thought we would a couple of years ago. But how do we take this culture that has, you know, some of those core foundations that, that we put in place here. And that's just a crazy competitive drive to be the absolute best at what we do to you know, the founding principle of complete frankness and, and and being able to bring up concerns at all times and really creating a culture where everybody feels like they're a part of it and not just working for it. 
and growing that beyond the small company that we have now, which is infinitely bigger than we thought it would be three years ago, but still relatively small, right? I really think that's something that has to happen in the industry too. You know, the, the, the hospitality, let's face it, has never been the easiest field to work in, in the best of times. You know, and the last few years haven't been the best of times. And I think it's really made a lot of our workers or coworkers within the industry think about, you know, whether or not it's, it's really worth that effort. And it's, it's hard work to be in hospitality and you need to feel that you're part of something greater than just coming in and doing your job and going home. And I think creating culture at every level uh, that makes everyone feel like they're moving in the same direction is going to be really important. And it hasn't been necessarily the most important thing in, in the hospitality industry historically. Yeah, unfortunately, uh, I couldn't agree more. And I, we use the term all the time, the, the difference between creation of culture and the cultivation of that culture. And man, it is, it is tough when your focus is always on what your outcome going to be versus taking care of your people in the moment. And I think we forget we're always so focused on the guest, right? And and it's a hospitality industry and, and we should be, right? The guest, uh, that's the reason why we do it. But the reality is when we talk about the leadership aspect, I think that is the, that is the, the missing link on the culture, right? And I think when the leaders can make sure that we're as focused on our people as, as our people should be on our guests, is when we start to find success. That's when you start to see culture come alive and sustain. Um, it, it's easy during an orientation to to preach culture and put cool slides up on a screen and tell people what you are and what you believe. It's what are you doing on day 30, 60, 90, 370, five years later? Can they still look back at day one and go, yeah, that's that's exactly who they say they are? Um, and that's tough. That's tough because you are highly dependent upon your leaders living, breathing, and being fully immersed in that culture that you've established. And I think the thing about culture is it's more than slides on a screen. It's something that you honest to God live every day. It's, it's, it's who you are. It's your DNA. And I think that's one of the, that's something that you should look at when you're hiring people is that does your culture and who you are as a company, does it reflect the natural tendencies of the person you're talking to? Because if they have to become something different to be a part of your company, then it might not necessarily be a good fit. It doesn't mean that they can't become that person. They might have, they might already have tendencies to move in that direction and they need somebody to mentor and coach them. And those are the people that you and I love, those individuals that we can grab a hold of and pull the best out of them. But if you have people that that's just not who they are, that's cool. It doesn't make them a bad person. It just might not be a good fit for our movie. And so, I, I, I mean, culture, dude, leadership and culture go hand in hand. And those two things for you and I are beyond important um, at EAG. And I think that's one of the reasons why we continue to see our brand grow. Because even on the tough days when things aren't going right, we still hold true to our core values of what we believe. And that's, that's just my, that's my two cents on it. Well, I mean, we just talked about it a couple of weeks ago. We did a job fair, you know, a hiring event for a property and 
we weren't necessarily looking for the people with 30 years of experience, right? You know, we can, we can teach skills. We can teach a, a skill set or, or job duties, right? You, you look for people that embody that passion. You can't teach people to care, right? You can teach people steps of service any day, but you can't teach them to care about the experience for the guests. And if you, you find people who buy into that and that's culture that you're creating, then, then you can do whatever you want from there on. It's, it's all about finding the right people and cultivating that culture. Yeah. How much, you know, I'm here. It's been interesting. I'll tell you, I, I'm, I'm here. Obviously you, you can hear everything going on behind me. And every once in a while I look up to make sure there's not like something coming over like the railing to, to take me. But um, it's been interesting here because some of the, as we developed, what was, what is luxury in this space? It's finding that balance between the guests that are going to be coming here want to still be engaged with everyone else around the world. So they still want to take their pictures, post it on Instagram, share it with family. They want to FaceTime their friends. So you need an element of technology, but they're also, you can't put too much, too much tech into where we're at because then it takes away the, the authenticity of where you are, right? How do you think technology is going to play a part moving forward in hospitality? I think you and I, our team has this conversation a lot of being very um, ahead of the curve with a lot of the things we try to do. And I've always said, I, I think hospitality is way behind the curve in utilizing technology. But then is there a line, right? We're in the people business. I think there's a there's an element of the human aspect that is extremely important, especially in the luxury segment. How much, how much should we lean into technology within the hospitality sector right now, in your opinion? Yeah, that's a, you know, you and I come from old school Ritz Carlton, right? Where it's all about personable, personalized experience and and tailoring it to to the guest. And and, I, and that's still what I think of when I think of luxury service. But but really, we have to consider what technology can do. You know, one of the the things we used to talk about shoot twenty twenty five years ago was unobtrusive service how to how to anticipate guest needs without being you know front and center right making the guest experience the the centerpiece and i think that's where technology gives us a a, a huge leg up and you still have to be observant but the the days of 30 years ago of trying to divine guest experiences from or guest preferences from everyday interactions for instance you know mr mr smith like diet coke because he drinks diet coke in our spaces right that's something that is you can track and you can you can replicate right but i think especially with the advances in in ai these days you have tremendous amount of capability of customizing the guest experience and and allowing the guest to customize it without being intrusive so that's something that we've had actually a lot of lot of talks about recently is trying to figure out how to leverage technology to offer a, a tremendously personalized experience without being intrusive into the guest lives. So we're talking about that on a daily basis on what that looks like. How do we ask the guests what you want to experience and let us create that for you without coming out and giving them a questionnaire that says, check, 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 check. Yeah. So I think yeah, I, I think there's a I think there's a tremendous amount of potential on technology side. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I think you you hit the nail on the head of 
how to utilize it to benefit us without detracting and taking away from that human touch of of really what the luxury space is. And I think that I pray um, and I hope that we are we're the ones continuing to drive this of finding those ways to utilize technology to benefit what we do um, versus um, utilizing it too much and taking away from the personal touch or saying that, you know, we don't want to use technology at all and not taking advantage of what's in front of us. And I think that finding that balance between the two is going to be extremely important uh, moving forward. And, and, you know, I know we have a lot of stuff in the works on that. And hopefully that is, those are some of those things that we can help kind of bring to the forefront. Cause when I look at hotels in the U S we get to travel abroad a lot and, when I look at hotels in the U.S. and I look at the food and beverage experiences happening within hotels, it is. Um, I think it's safe to say it's we're not where we need to be, um, and I think that's a. I don't think that's a shock to anyone to say that, um, and I think that unfortunately we have hoteliers running restu- restaurants versus restaurateurs running the restaurants inside hotels, and um, how do you think? How do you how do you see us turning the curve and changing the perception of the customer, the guest in the U.S. specifically that says we can have amazing, successful restaurants within our hotels without guests feeling like they're not at an amazing, cool restaurant inside of a hotel? You know, I think there's been a, a tidal shift on that, and especially at the luxury segment um, over the last say 10 years. And, and I think that's been led by particularly by the Ritz Ritz Carlton and other luxury brands. And they've realized that creating a a great restaurant in a hotel isn't enough. You have to create a a great restaurant. That's a destination. You know, when you think about it, we don't make it easy to go eat in a restaurant at a hotel. If you're not a guest there, you know, you have to, you have to get dressed up. You have to drive your car there. You can't, show up with your car dirty you know, because you're going to show up at valet because there's no self-parking like it's it's a it's an ordeal right so there has to be a reason to go so creating these compelling destinations has really been a, a shift i think in thinking for luxury from a restaurant point of view and that that needs to continue we need to start thinking of things like you know, from a restaurant point of view you know is there any kind of visibility outside is there any sort of pedestrian traffic nearby or or is there a way of seeing it as a restaurant that happens to be within a hotel as opposed to a hotel restaurant and i think that's the mind shift that that we really need to keep pushing is that we're creating great restaurants that happen to be in hotels we're not creating great hotel restaurants and that's yeah i also i i never wanted to be part of the the top 10 hotel restaurant list yeah or to be part of the top 10 restaurant list you know and it happened yeah. to be in a hotel and I, I think also you know the thing the obvious of we've got to look at how our pricing structures um we we have to look at we, half the time we, you know, we price ourselves out of the market and i i still don't understand why but we do on a consistent basis we do it and i, I think, think hotels have done it historically because they can when you look at, at breakfast restaurants and hotels and their their average check is $35 for breakfast. I mean, I don't remember the last time I went and spent 35 bucks for breakfast unless I was forced to at a hotel. You know, but 
but when you can create a, a relevant experience in a hotel, it's a great breakfast experience that I might actually spend if I went to a breakfast restaurant in my neighborhood for 15 to $20, then it's more a compelling experience. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think, I think you're also seeing a shift um, in just when we talk about the luxury space and restaurants, fine dining, right? Fine dining is changing. There's constant articles and conversations happening around what does the future of fine dining look like? The number one restaurant in the world recently closed um, because, you know, the, the chef said it just it doesn't make sense. The structure of, of how to execute that traditional fine dining experience just can't do it. And I think we're starting to you're seeing a shift on what fine dining is or what's considered fine dining and what is a true luxury experience, right? When we talk about luxury and what it was for us with Ritz Carlton 20 plus years ago and what luxury is now, I think there's there's two different things. And I think making sure that we stay um, ahead of that curve, making sure that we talk about what luxury actually is. What is our guest? How does our guest interpret luxury? I guess is a better way of putting it than saying luxury has changed. I think the foundation, the foundational principles of what luxury is, is always going to be there. How we deliver it, I think, is continuing to evolve. And um, I'm hoping with that evolution, food and beverage is a part of that, um, that ever change that's happening. I mean, honestly, you know, a big part of the, the fine dining, the shift in guest perception for fine dining goes back to the culture we were talking about. You know, the, there's more and more exposure right now of what it takes to execute a restaurant at the quote unquote, you know, three-star Michelin, you know, super fine dining level. Right. And it's, you know, it's a huge amount of dedication and not necessarily the best work-life balance. And those, those stories are starting to become more and more common, not common, but well-known widespread. And people are saying, are, are those the kind of experiences that we really want to support? We want to grow, or do we want to, you know, support the, the kind of establishments that really create a, a great place for people to work. And, and that's not just for guests that like chefs who have run these restaurants for decades are saying the same thing, saying, maybe this isn't the best model. Maybe we should look at you know, creating a culture that it's, you know, allows people to grow and enjoy their lives outside of work and look forward to coming into work. Really what we were talking about 30 minutes ago is creating a culture. Yep. I couldn't agree more. I think, um, as we wrap this thing up, it's, we know that we know we have to create culture. We know we have to take care of our people. Um, we know we have to invest in them. Uh, we know that they need to be a part of something bigger than them, than, than themselves um, and create something that's bigger than themselves. And we need to make sure that the same way that we talk about it's guests first and we care as much about our guests as we do, we need to make sure that we keep it as people first and we care as much about our people um, as we do our guests. And I think if our if companies and organizations can can understand that and it's tough, right? Because you've got uh, a lot of outside factors, different ownership groups and, and funds that are that are demanding um, the P&L to look a certain way. But if we can push past that, um, I think we'll get to the point where the P&Ls will get where everybody wants them to be. But that's going to be a difficult task if we don't focus on our people first, those that are on the front lines executing 
um, and taking care of those guests, we have to ensure that they're our priority uh, with everything that we do. And that's not always a, the easiest decision when you're staring at a P&L. But um, like we say, do the right thing um, and, and let the chips fall where they're, where they're going to. As long as we're making the best decisions and the right decisions, um, then things are going to work out the way they should in the long run. So, man, I can't thank you enough for letting me steal a little bit of your time. It is crazy late where you're at, but I, I couldn't pass up an opportunity to have this backdrop and force you to stare at it <laughs> the entire time as we chat. I have been through. staring at it too. I know, man. I just um, want to see a giraffe walk in the background. <laughs> right. That's one of those things that actually could happen. So, um, again, thanks, man. Thank you, one, for everything you do at EAG. Um, and with our team, you're a silent killer, man. You're, um, you're, you're not always the, the most vocal, but, and you're, you're a genius and I appreciate everything you do and being a part of this wild ride that we're creating. Um, there's, if everyone knew the stuff that's in the, in the pipeline right now, um, and the things that are about to be announced, it's, it's crazy where we're going and I, I couldn't be happier that you're along for the ride with me. So thanks. Thanks for being a part of it, man. I wouldn't be anywhere else right now. Good to hear. Um, thanks everyone for tuning in. We look forward to seeing you next week. Don't forget. You can follow along on this crazy journey through social as well. You can go to the website, www.ellisadamsgroup.com. You can follow us at Ellis Adams official on Instagram or even myself at Chris Adams underscore EAG. Jay, are you, are you on social? I mean, you're on social, but you're not on uh, social. Yeah, I like have a small presence right now. You can I, feel free to I'm not enough that I have followers. One, <laughs> one uh, influencer in EAG is enough. Oh, my God. Enough, enough. <laughs> Thanks so much. Uh, we'll chat with everyone soon. Follow along with us. Please reach out to us. We'd love to interact with you. Um, and hey, you never know. we got a lot going on. We'd love to have you a part of the EAG family, too, as we continue to grow. Thanks so much, and we'll see you next week.